Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Marlin's Corner. I am Marlin, and I'm very excited to have you with me again in my corner. Uh, this week on Marlin's Corner, we're going to talk about just two things and two things only. One of those being The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, and the second thing being a recent life update that I'm going to just tap you into, get you behind that paywall, get you in the know. But let's start with the fun stuff first. The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, um, recent Netflix spinoff to, of course, uh, the ever-popular uh, The Witcher series. The synopsis of the movie is as follows. Escaping from poverty to become a witcher, Vesemir slays monsters for coin and glory, but when a new menace arises, he must face his demons. Uh, and that's what we're going to get into so far. Now, the cast of this is fantastic. We, of course, have Theo James as Vesemir, uh, both Theo James, very attractive, Vesemir, super attractive. They knew what they were doing in this. They knew what they were doing. We already have Henry Cavill looking like a nice slice of candy. And then we got the, the you'll see a theme as I go through here. Graham McTavish as Deglin. Again, both attractive. Uh, Mary McDonald as Lady Zerbst. And she, of course, is from Battlestar Galactica. You know what I'm about to tell you. Also attractive. And of course, Lara Pulver as Tetra. You may know her from the Underworld series. Um, specifically, she was in the Blood War film. So you, that might have been one more film extra after uh, so many Underworld films that have been going on. Uh, the director of this film is... Quang Han. Uh, Quang Han directed uh, three episodes of the Boondocks, of course, Aaron Magruder's Boondocks. Um, looking at their IMDb page, they also, aside from, you know, that very small, slim directorial uh, situation, they have a ton of experience in the art department and animation department with shows um, from DC Films to DC TV shows, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, a couple episodes, NetherRealm Properties, i.e., of course, Scorpion and the Mortal Kombat gang. Uh, this is also in partnership with Studio Mirror. Uh, this studio, of course, is responsible for a lot of animated TV shows. Um, the Legend of Korra, the fourth season of The Boondocks, the Netflix series Voltron, uh, Dota, and Kippo, The Age of the Wonder Beasts. Uh, films like, of course, The Witcher and also Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge, uh, which that last one, keep in mind because it's very, uh, it, it'll, it'll come back in a minute to really kind of tell, to tell you more about this film. Uh, the writer of the screenplay was Bo DeMaio. Uh, what's it's interesting is Bo DeMaio actually wrote episode three of The Witcher, so we have some uh, some nice consistency going on there. Of course, the cast brings a lot of attractiveness as well as some really awesome voice acting skills to the roles they play. Um, so let's just kind of dive right in and my thoughts about the film. Now, the film is fun. It currently is sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, 100% from critics, 88% from audiences. So it's looking nice and fresh. Um, out the gate, what surprised me about this is they took the Arendelle route. Uh, we open up to an entire black family. Um, your boy definitely was like, oh, representation? Okay, how is this going to play out? And then, of course, it played out as most things play out in these hyper-violent worlds. And again, I told you I will tell you more about that uh, Scorpion tie-in. They go real violent, ultra-violent uh, in this series from beginning to end. Um, so if you've seen Castlevania or the Scorpion Revenge movie, uh, you'll know what kind of violence you're about to be in for. Um, yeah, 
this this black family is they're the first to be killed in the entire movie. They're the first to go. So they, of course, uh, fell into that trope. Um, the kids also get it. The kids get eviscerated. I thought we were at least going to have like a no kid policy, but that does not apply in the Witcher world. Uh, the dad and the kids all got this work. Uh, it was wild. But of course, this leads us into our first Castlevania-like fight uh, with Vesemir showing off some really awesome um, Witcher moves. If you play the video games or maybe read the books, I haven't. You know that the Witchers have some really awesome powers from Igni, which is fire. Ard is like a really awesome force push uh, as is is as best as I can describe it, so when pushing forward, um, they have Quinn, which is like it hardens like your your aura, it makes you hard to hit, makes it makes the damage less. Uh, they also have a couple more in there that I'm not going to go into, but needless to say, I'm looking forward to seeing more powers in the Witcher world. So let's check that out in the future. Hopefully, we can see more of that. Um, we of course uh, also get to know more about Vesemir. This version of Vesemir um, is really cocky, really confident, uh, giving off nice, you know, uh, uh, fuckboy energy with his haircut and his sense of style. So it was kind of like, oh, this this is not the same Vesemir that we know from the video games. Because again, I haven't read the books, but in the video games, he's very cut and dry, very by the books. He takes naps a lot of the time. There isn't really a lot we know about. Vesemir. But this Vesemir we see very much uh, hip, cocky, gets his money. He's enjoying being a witcher. You know, we, of course, get a flashback to his his, you know, his upbringing and know that he was a very poor young man. Uh, his family worked as, I want to say, servants to a, a higher lord. And that kind of was their lot in life. And he wanted more. And so in walks Deglin to uh, help exercise the lady of the house from some spirit she has. And that gives Vesemir's first taste of what it could be like to be a witcher when he sees that bag of coins being dropped in Deglin's hand. That, of course ties into his reasoning to step into the world of Witcherdom. Now, um, Playing the video games, we of course get um, you know stories of these young men going through the trials, going through the mutations. How terrible it is! How is a high? There's a high mortality rate when it comes to these young men, and who survives? Who survives at the very end? It's important to know that in this Witcher movie, there are a ton of Witchers at at Kara Morden. We know that in the current video games, it's just maybe like five. Um, so to see Kara Morden full of Witchers was wild for me to kind of like fully see this, even with the high numbers of fatalities, they're just churning out witchers over and over again. Uh, but of course, we get a chance to finally see and feel for these young men who come from being sold. Um, some of them are even like Vesemir looking for, you know, some upper uh, elevation or a better lot in life. And we get to watch him go through the mutations, watch him go through the trials. And up to, I think, up to the trial of grasses, you kind of got a sense that, okay, this is getting really bad. But at the trial, Trial of Grasses, we get a chance to fully kind of see more of like the physical damage these kids go through. We of course see them go through some internal damages from the like, from the mutations. They get sick, some of them die, but now they we get a chance to see how the witchers really just kind of screw them over. They just drop them into a swamp with monsters, and there really isn't any direction. They're just kind of there. I mean, the boys try to rally, and uh, they quickly get destroyed by wraiths and kikimoras really quickly. And Vesemir only survives because he falls off a cliff somewhere else and they and he gets found. And it's kind of like, is that the tactic? Just to, like, if you can survive the longest, then you win? That just seems like, hey, if you 
it's all pure luck. You can't really train for that. So it's kind of wild to watch that go down. But of course, we quickly see the next couple scenes that, hey, he's excited. He's making a rain gold coins. He's having a great time. He's living his best life. So all in all, he's a happier Vesemir. He's he's wealthy now. He's no longer that poor kid who was defenseless and didn't really know his way. He kind of has a station now. Um, you know, and then, of course, you know, skipping some things here, skipping some things here. I don't want to give away too much. We, of course, because uh, it's a good chunk in the middle that I want you to check out. It's really awesome. We, of course, see that, you know, some witchers, um, you know, are, are the, the witchers, of course, are still going through this very much untrustworthy time period. And we, of course, get involved in a situation where maybe that's not as wild as we think it is. And some decisions are made that definitely uh, highlight a lot of the distress might be... Um, might be right. It, it might be right to not trust a lot of these witchers. Um, but all in all, we get a chance to see some really awesome battles. We get to fully see why Carol Morden is the way it is, why it's absolutely annihilated, why Vesemir is constantly having uh, people try to remodel or put the holes back together again because there's a huge fight scene where we get a chance to see that the witchers um, kind of get the comeuppance, and as a result of that, they get a, they their entire world gets turned upside down. They get fully uh, damaged by the the, the people that they kind of took advantage of, and more or less, hey, uh, is it deserved? Maybe, maybe not. But we also get a chance to see how and why their numbers dwindle down to just a few witchers left. We get a chance to see why it's just Vesemir. Why it's just Geralt, uh, why it's just, you know, that, that that small cohort of people at the very end. And of course, we do get that surprise Geralt, which I mean, we kind of knew because literally this is Vesemir. He, he, of course, finds Geralt. So it was great to see this surprise at the very end there with his reveal. So if you haven't tried to see it or it's, it's on your to-do list, definitely check it out. Uh, eight out of 10. It's funny. Uh, it's entertaining. The monsters are done so well. The lore is done so well. And the violence is just so on brand with the Witcher and Tim. Definitely check it out. Um, some fun facts about the show that I was having a great time looking up is that this, of course, is, you know, a part of their spinoff series based on the original Netflix, uh, The Witcher series. Um, and, of course, focuses on the origin story of Geralt's, uh, of Geralt's mentor, Vesemir. I'm looking forward and hoping that this means we get a lot more origin stories from a lot more characters attached to this universe. So fingers crossed on that. Um, it's also wild to know that Graham McTavish, who voices Deglin, will be appearing in season two of the Witcher, but he'll be playing a different role. He'll be he'll be playing the role of uh, Dextra and uh, the Witcher uh, two season. So look out for that. He's playing a whole new character, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. Um, it's also important to know that. Um, Theo and Lara Pulver, they both starred in Underworld Blood Wars together. So they kind of had that off camera, uh, not off camera, they of course had that non-voice actor experience together. Uh, what's also wild to know is that Theo James and Grandma Tavik star in a different Netflix animated series. They star in Castlevania. Uh, Theo voices Hector and Graham voices Dracula, which is a huge surprise. I did not know that he voiced Dracula. So that's dope that they're keeping it in the Netflix family. Um, was also wild is that Laura Pulver also voices another character in another Netflix series, and that's uh, Marina and the Dota uh, show on Netflix. So I haven't seen Dota, but I might check it out because you know if she's in it. 
it's gotta be good. And of course, um, what I thought was really awesome is that there's a character in uh, the um, anime movie called Philandriel the Elf, um, who's like, you know, helping out, trying to explain how the elves are going through a hard time. Well, that the voice actor, Tom Canton, not only voices the animated version of that character, but he plays the actual character in the live action version uh, of The Witcher. So it's wild to see that they kept that consistency between both shows. Uh, all in all, y'all, definitely check it out. Give it a watch. You will not be disappointed, especially if you are a fan of The Witcher. Um, and then lastly, to close things out, folks, um, you know, before I did a, a small segue about uh, being an educator and being nervous and just really not having a lot to go on when it comes to keeping our kids safe and just really giving them the educational experience they deserve. Um, fast forward to, you know, last week, I've decided uh, to resign from working at a school uh, and kind of move move away from uh, from that world entirely and, you know, still want to be in education, but just taking the opportunity now to kind of pivot uh, and do what's best um, for me. Um, I am going to miss being a part of the educational experience. I am going to miss um, educating in minds uh, and just watching uh, young folks from freshman to senior year, watching them develop into the person's that they are looking forward to being uh, as they move on through life. Um, but being in education right now is extremely difficult. And I think it also depends on the leadership. Uh, if you have a if you have a leadership crew that's going to be there to um, actively problem solve and plan with you, it makes being in education a lot easier. Um, and I hope that at most of your schools, you all have leadership that is capable of being honest and open uh, with you all about any and all these changes. Um, I know that me personally, I wasn't having that same experience. So I decided to, you know, step away and find something else for myself. Um, I know that moving forward, education might also change. I know with this recent uh, recall election, we might see Governor Newsom make some new calls. And we, we know that he opened up a lot of schools a lot of businesses due to some pushback from him going to the French Laundry and making that dumb decision kind of ruin his momentum of uh, trying to stay in front of this COVID thing. I feel like now because of that, he seems to be uh, backsliding to appease a lot of people. But I do think that he might have a much stronger stance if he wins his recall election when he wins his recall election. So if you haven't voted early, vote now. Get it out there. We got to stop this recall election because the only way we're going to see things change in education uh, is if he is back on and he feels like he's going to be back on for a long time because we need someone who's going to be able to tell us or tell educators, hey, we're moving into a hybrid model because right now having 100% of these people back is dangerous. Um, the buildings aren't made for it. Education as a whole was designed a long time ago when the classroom structure was, was designed a whole long time ago. And as we know now, uh, during COVID times, that is not the best structure. We know that they're telling us to do six feet and then you can't do six feet, do three feet, or you can't do three feet, do some kind of feet. And it's like, great, like none of that's happening. These kids are gonna be shoulder to shoulder in these hallways, shoulder to shoulder in classrooms, and not every building uh, is designed to have everyone go outside at the exact same time. So uh, the hope is that at some point, all 
all that wraps up. We go to a hybrid model maybe to where we can do a lot more structured and individualized um, support for kids, but also keep them safe. Because right now, you know, there are, there's a lot of kids in a lot of spaces and educators can only do so much. And I know that our grace period is over. Our grace window where folks were sending us letters and hashtagging us and uh, elevating us to the level of heroes that time has come and gone. And right now we're being looked as uh, we're, we're being looked at to just pretty much solve all these problems on our own. So I truly hope that um, a lot of this changes. Um, I know that a lot of folks in education are having the exact same feelings of maybe this is the time to transition out. I know that hiring for educators right now is difficult. A lot of schools are starting with missing teachers because they just can't find folks. And I truly hope that this does change because there are a lot of awesome teachers out there, but I do feel like with a lot of these policies currently being in place, um, folks are just feeling burnt out and just not feeling uh, like working education right now is the best use of their time. So hopefully that changes and we can support our teachers. Um, but you know, I'm gonna get off my soapbox for now and let y'all know that next time we will talk about some Tim Burton movies. I promise to find some stuff that hasn't been watched a bunch, so no Edward Scissorhands, no Nightmare Before Christmas. I'll find something that is uh, unique uh, and not watched too often, but I'll let you know about that next week. Um, if you have any educator friends out there, give them some love, give them some support. Um, I'm sure they appreciate you. I appreciate you if you're in the education game. I appreciate you. Drink that wine. Uh, go for a walk. Call your loved ones. Uh, read a book. Sit outside in the sun. Do something to celebrate you and the amount of effort and time you put into this educational thing. So appreciate you. With that being said, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today on Mullen's Corner. We'll see you next time uh, in the corner. Have a wonderful day and uh, see you. This episode of Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California. 